Hello, everybody. This is Parrish Alford with the Daily Journal. I'm joined by Michael Katz, our Ole Miss beat writer, Stefan Kreischnick, our temporary Mississippi State beat writer. This is another edition of Justify Your Existence, the podcast covering all things MSU and Ole Miss. Steph, man, uh, days are numbered here. Another opportunity. We're going to hate to lose you. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 tough to leave, um, but like you mentioned, you know, opportunities come up, and and you know, the the sports media industry is is a fun game, and, and people rotate things like that. Um, but, but like I've said uh, to anyone who's asked me, I you know, I'm not I'm not leaving because I didn't like uh, my time at the Daily Journal. I, I love you guys. I love the work that that we did. Um, I was there for what it feels much longer than it actually was just because how, how quick we kind of got off the ground running. I mean, I, I moved into to Starkville and, and football fall camp was going right away. And, and, you know, we were doing things every day. There was no, um, there was no, I guess, training session uh, <laughs> or whatever you want to call it. I'm sure Michael feels the same way um, from when he came in. So it, it's been a blast and um, you know, I'm always, always grateful for you guys uh, taking a chance on me right out of school. Uh, I think we did I think we've done really good work, and I think, um, you know, it's a great job, and whoever comes in next, I hope they, uh, you know, kind of continue along the path that that we've had here. Well, you know, it, we really did hit the ground running, man. I mean, I, to have you guys uh, fly into uh, media days there, that's kind of like where it all starts. That's just right. where where everything starts. I wasn't, uh, you know, I, I was thinking, well, do we announce this thing today? Do we talk about this? But, you know, it's on Twitter, so there we go. Uh, we're, we're good. Uh Birmingham is where all, all dreams begin. Yeah, it's it's good. <laughs> you know, it's it's an interesting thing. I, you know, Media Day is going to be in Atlanta uh, this year. I'm not really keen on having it uh, in such a downtown setting uh, because parking just becomes an issue. And gosh, you know, at Hoover, the Galleria, man, it's such a convenient place uh, just to. Uh, so many different things you could walk to. Except then, the Starbucks was closed every single day. <laughs> I think about that a lot. You know, I didn't. I don't get that. I don't know why the Starbucks was closed there. I, I, I didn't. I didn't see that they were like closed forever. You know, I, I don't know what uh, what was going on there. But uh, I, I on, the, on the flip side, though, Gabriel's was never closed. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, Gabriel's that that sounds like uh, one of those places you guys were able to find on your own, and that's uh, that's what I wanted y'all to do. Go, go, go and find your own uh, your own haunts, your your own uh, uh, just experiences, and and uh, you know I, I had mine. I had my go tos. Uh, you know, I made my trip to Full Moon. Uh, you know, so that was that 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 was good. And not gonna have it, not gonna have it this media days there uh, in downtown Atlanta. But uh, you know, it it does. Uh, create a, a different uh different vibe when it's at the hall of fame there and that's a just a a wonderful wonderful experience uh there in atlanta the college football hall of fame uh i know michael and i visited there uh when old miss uh, opened the season uh in atlanta against louisville and uh, just a, such uh such a neat thing and and done in such a such a nice manner with uh you know, the, the loud kind of interactive uh, area on the first two floors and, and then the third floor, kind of the uh, uh, the more solemn, uh, you know, go in view. Uh, uh, I would say the bust, but uh, it's it's not really that. It's more of a, a touch screen, but uh, it's just, uh, it's real different, more uh, respectful feel 
up there on the third floor. So uh, it's, you know, there, there are some pluses to it, but parking is not one. So, hey, let's talk a little uh, college baseball, big series coming up starting Thursday. I'm, I love a good Thursday start now. I'm all about uh, the Thursday, Friday, Saturday series, but uh, Mississippi State uh, will be in Oxford. It is the uh, the rivalry series now, uh, egg on the diamond, I, I guess uh, you could call it. Uh, Mississippi State and Ole Miss, both of them underachieving to this point. In fact, uh, last week going into uh, the series, they were both tied for last in the Western Division, not, not really what we expected from these two teams that both began the season in the top five and Ole Miss uh, even having spent a couple of weeks at number one, <clears throat> uh, Rebels continuing their uh, meteoric plunge uh, outside the rankings today as they are officially made it outside uh, D1Baseball.com top 25. Steph, start us off with, uh, with Mississippi State. Does winning a series against Auburn uh, make State uh, – the hot team going into this series right now? Yeah, I guess compared to the other team, you probably called them the <laughs> hot team just because they won a series. But, um, you know, it, it's there, there's two ways to look at it. You know, at the end of the day, State won a series against a ranked team. Um, and Auburn, Auburn was pretty hot going into that series. Auburn had just had some big wins against Vanderbilt, which I don't know how good Vandy really is either this year. But, um, you know, Auburn, Auburn had some pretty nice wins there coming into to the series at Starkville. Um, and, and Mississippi State, you know, took advantage of some mistakes that Auburn made in game one and um, State kind of dominated them in, the, in game two. Um, you know, and then game three is, is where, you know, State probably let a sweep slip away. Uh, it was some of those same issues. Um, you know, it wasn't great bullpen pitching, but at the same time, the bullpen didn't get much help from the defense either. Um, so you really look at that game three, it's kind of a missed opportunity there for, for a huge sweep. And um, you know, State only jumped up a few spots in the RPI rankings. So, you know, the RPI tells you all you need to know about, I guess, how big of a series win that was. It doesn't seem to be that big. Um, but just in terms of uh, mentality and confidence, I mean, that, there was a huge shift. At the end of the day, State was coming off a really bad sweep at home to the hands uh, at the hands of LSU. And that was a series where, you know, State probably needed to win that series, let alone get swept. Um, so, so to have that series against Auburn, um, was huge and, and a huge thing was just the starting pitching that they got. Um, Preston Johnson probably had his start, best start um, since, since he came to Mississippi State. Uh, Cade Smith had a really good start. He, you look at the numbers, they're not that convincing, but he went six innings and gave up no runs. And you'll take that from, from your third starter. And um, Brandon Smith making his way to that rotation looked great on Thursday and, and gave State an opportunity to win that game. So, um, you know, the starting pitching looks like it's starting to click a little bit. State might have their rotation at that's definitely what their rotation will be in Oxford this week. Um, but, but the bullpen remains a bit of a concern. Um, you know, I mentioned that the blowout uh, win that they had Friday, um, it turned into not so much of a blowout because the bullpen struggled there in the eighth inning. So it, it, it'll be interesting to see. I think it's a huge series for both teams. Um, and I think it's a series where we'll be there on Saturday for a rubber match. I think these teams are, are pretty, um, you know, pretty equal right now. Um, you know, they're, they're battling some some lows, and I know both teams are battling some pitching struggles. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if, um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if State took this series just because I think State has some better starting pitching in place right now. Um, but at the same time, I wouldn't be surprised if State lost this series um, because of its bullpen. 
So I, I think there might be a game where, I mean, this could very likely happen on, on Thursday, like right away that first game, um, both, both, you know, pitch, starting pitchers do well. Um, it's like one, one going into the seventh and uh, one team wins nine to eight. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if we had some, some late game uh, offensive fireworks for sure in, in this series. Yeah, but I think the key for Ole Miss might be getting to that Mississippi State bullpen. And, and uh, this dynamic uh, offense is, has just been uh, inconsistent. Uh, uh, Michael, it looks like uh, uh, true to form. They were there for like uh, really one game, right, against uh, um, gosh, against South Carolina this weekend, and that was game one. And it just happened to come on a night when uh, Dylan DeLucha pitched really well also. Uh, uh, we talked last week, or I did, with uh, Mike Clement about consistency, you know, really wanting to see uh, Ole Miss hit better from game to game and series to series. I don't think they took a step in that direction at South Carolina. What do you think? Well, I mean, the, the, the crazy thing is you get that first game where I think they won nine to one, whatever it was. And obviously you got that really good combination of, of, of hitting and pitching, which has not happened a lot for them, uh, especially of late. And then, you know, the second game didn't go great. And then, you know, the last game, it's like they're asleep at the wheel for eight innings and then they blow up in the ninth and score four runs and, and almost take that one. And then they get, you know, walked off in, in heartbreaking fashion, but it does make you wonder, like, we've seen what the offense can be. Like, it's not even like a game-to-game thing. Sometimes it's an inning-to-inning thing. I just – it just sometimes is, you know, they're, they're at their best when they're when they're walking and they're taking pitches and they're making pitchers work. And sometimes they've done a really good job of that. And sometimes they're just going after the first thing they see and it doesn't work out and, and they let pitchers go deep into games. And – I think that's going to be really big for the state series is making the state's pitchers work um, is getting deep into counts. And, uh, you know, other than, you know, Tim Elko, who's, who's been on a rampage, you know, for, for most of the year and Jacob Gonzalez, it's, it's kind of been a coin flip for the rest of the lineup. And, um, you know, it's, they, they, they can't have coin flips this weekend. It's they, they, they they're they're confusing it's it's they're it's it's like you look at the names and and the numbers and the, it sh- it should be a lot more consistent than it is but it hasn't and you know mix, mix that with you know the pitching situation where sometimes you know Dylan Delucia gave them their best start of the year and then after that it's like you never know if a guy's going to go three innings uh in a start that's kind of been the baseline for a lot of the year the defense has been kind of up and down. I know that's something that Mike Bianco has been not so happy about. Um, it's it's it is crazy to think that like three weeks ago this was the number one team in the country, and now it's you know they're unranked and and, and everything's kind of uh, it all seems like it's kind of coming to a head right now. It's it's I'm not going to say it's like a, a well, win or go home weekend, but it does feel like a pretty big weekend. What's your best guess on a rotation? Uh, for Mississippi State, I, I assume it'll be uh, TBA, 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 or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. TBA's got a, a good workout these days. He uh, turned no, out, TBA turned out to pitch like six or seven um, one-run innings for Mississippi State last week, so he he's yeah. had a good run. Yeah, you TBA's know, on a pitch count. <laughs> I saw you, Steph, mention TBA uh, for State last week, and and you wrote that nice story about TBA, and and then the SEC sends out to. 
you know, a rotation with three names and three projected starters. So they turned in something. <laughs> yeah. They turned in something. It, it turned out to be pretty good for state. So hopefully for, for Ole Miss's sake, I'm sure they're hoping that TBA is, is rested. Um, TBA had a start. Actually, he ended up starting that Thursday game for state. And then I saw the Cubs were starting him on Saturday. So yeah. he, he had some short rest there. Busy week, busy, busy few days. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, it's uh, with, you would think Dylan DeLucia would be the first guy just based on his last few weeks on, you know, openers. He's, he's been pretty good for the most part. Um, but, you know, Mike has made it clear, like, there isn't necessarily like a set thing and we shouldn't look too far into like what's happened before and they're going to play matchups and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, you would imagine it would be Dylan. And then, you know, I know they like to throw Derek Diamond out there. Uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see what's going on with Washburn. He he got hurt the last game, pulled a hamstring. I guess it had been a something he pulled in the fall and it kind of re-aggravated. Uh, and I think it's also going to kind of depend what happens tomorrow uh, in, in that start. Um, we haven't seen a lot of Hunter Elliott lately, so I'm curious kind of how that is going to manifest itself. But uh, I think Delusion and Diamond are probably going to be in there, but man, at this point, uh, I could it, it could be a, a series of relievers and and just nothing nothing like what we expected. It's it's kind of all hands on deck right now. I was going to ask you about Hunter Elliott. I don't recall his name coming through on the South Carolina weekend. Did he pitch? I don't believe so. Yeah, I don't think I saw him. Yeah, so we'll see. You know, he got off to a good start. We'll see how it goes. Uh, Steph, tell me about this Mississippi State offense. They looked a little consistent, at least for two games. Brad Cumbus had a nice weekend. Yeah, no, Brad Cumbus had, had a great great weekend, and it's good for them to get him going. The, the home run he had um, as part of that four-hit game um, was on a slider, and uh, and Tanner Allen, I, I believe it was Tanner Allen, um, you know, tweeted at him about it, about him finally getting to a slider. Um, you know, Brad's been – a fastball hitter and he took advantage of, of an off-speed pitch. So that was um, that was promising to see in terms of his uh, trajectory at the plate this season. Uh, it, it was a good weekend, definitely. You know, the state's just got a ton of power, man. That and I know sometimes it, it drives Lamotis nuts. He thinks that they're they're you know trying to hit home runs too often. Um, and often when you're trying to hit a home run, you don't. Um, but but there's been some pop in those bats, and um, you know, one one player that's been interesting. Uh, it's been Cameron James, uh, kind of in that two spot in the lineup, hitting behind RJ. I mean, RJ Ager's been ter- terrific since he moved up to that leadoff spot again. Um, but Cameron James, you know, he, he's starting to get a little more pop in his bat and, and sending some balls out of the park. But a lot of it started from um, you could tell he made a, uh, an effort earlier this year to start kind of hitting it the opposite way. He started to hit a bit of the opposite way and spray the ball a bit, and then the power has kind of come, um, you know, in turn with that. So it's it's been a fun offense to watch recently. Um, looks like Hunter Hines is kind of out of his slump. Kellen Clark maybe getting out of his slump a bit. Um, it, it's a deep lineup. And aside from, you know, aside from – it was originally kind of that center field spot where nobody knew who would play. Now Cameron James has moved to center while Slate Alford has got, you know, some some play at third. Um, you know, how consistent is Slate going to be? Do you have to move Cameron back there and put someone else in center again? How they want to change up, um, you know, kind of that spot – um, we'll, we'll be interesting to see moving forward. Um, but at this point, um, you know, with, with everyone clicking and, and some players starting to get out of slumps, it, it's a fun uh, state offense. And I'm sure it's an offense that's, that's excited, frankly, to go against a struggling Ole Miss pitching staff, you know? So I, I think 
Um, and I'm sure there's some, you know, hitters in Ole Miss's lineup that are excited to, to get the state's bullpen and, um, and hit against those guys too. So it, it, it should be a fun weekend. And it's a weekend where, you know, state's, state's bats have to stay hot. And, and it kind of puts some importance on that on, on Tuesday's game against Jackson State. Not because it's, it should be a game that state wins pretty easily. Um, but at the same time, you want to keep those bats going a little bit. You want to stay hot. And, and you want to have a good performance on, on Tuesday. And you want the guys like Slate Alford and Lane Forsythe to kind of get some hits, get on a bit of a roll, because it's a huge weekend coming up. Michael, uh, how are teams pitching Tim Elko? Are they changing that up a little bit? It just, you know, he just seems to be an ongoing story. And, and look, uh, it, he was a late bloomer. You know, I can remember his first couple of years uh, at Ole Miss. He was described to me by a, one Ole Miss fan as – looks like Tarzan plays like Jane, but, uh, you know, it was, it was not, he didn't like come out of the gates as a freshman, sophomore, but he really, really, uh, has bloomed. Yeah. Um, I guess my first answer to how are they pitching him right now is poorly, uh, because he's, <laughs> he's, he's mashing right now. I think his batting average is up to like a three thirty something. Um, and I think he's still leading the SEC in home runs, um, you know, with this team that has been so, kind of all over the place uh, offensively. He's really been the steadying hand because even Jacob Gonzalez has gone through some not, uh, you know, because they move him around the lineup. Sometimes he's lead off and then sometimes it's not working in the second. Sometimes he's third. He's kind of been all over the place. Um, but Elko has really been the guy uh, other than I think there was a little bit of a slump in there. Uh, he is, uh, he, he's working counts. He isn't striking out a ton, which is kind of crazy for a guy who hits the ball the way he does, uh, I, I really do think he is one of the most feared hitters in the SEC right now. He's especially when you don't know what's going on in front or behind him in terms of consistency. Because Kevin Graham's hitting behind him right now. They've moved Elko up to third because uh, he's been their their most consistent guy, and and it's it, the, the four spots Kevin Graham right now, and he's kind of in a little bit of a slump. Um, you, you know, you, you, it would be, I, you would think they kind of try to pitch around him and he's figuring out ways to, to get his walks and, and to, to hit everything. It's, um, I mean, there's a reason he's got the C on his Jersey. He's really been the consistent force. It, the C is not for consistent. I know that. Uh, but, uh, no, he's, he's really, it could be, it could be, uh, but you know, he, he really is kind of the heartbeat and he's actually, he's played really good defense at first too. I think that's been a nice surprise. Um, you know, we, I don't think anyone was sure what they were going to get out of him, uh, after the ACL situation, but, uh, he's, he, he's, he, he's, he, he, in the year that has been up and down, he's, he, he's been really stellar. Well, Interesting baseball series. I mean, look, uh, I think as Steph mentioned earlier, these teams are are evenly matched. Uh, and, and these are not the stakes that we typically see them playing for, okay? Uh, they've got to cover ground to get in the SEC tournament. Obviously, you know, State started that path by winning the series uh, against Auburn. If they win the series, then all of a sudden they've They've won two straight, and, and maybe you're looking at them as a team that might make a move. Uh, and if they win the series, then Ole Miss, man, they're, they're really, you know, I think it really puts Ole Miss behind the eight ball. They only take uh, 12 teams now. They only take 12 teams to Hoover, and uh, the Rebels are going to have to win some games, uh, you know, to, to make sure they're uh, in one of those spots. So 
we'll see. I'll be very interested to see, uh, you know, what the turnout is uh, for uh, for the series. You know, what is the excitement level of Ole Miss fans now? I mean, you know, they just like going to Swayze Field, you know, and will the fact that it's state, uh, you know, bring them out in higher number. We know they don't let uh, cowbells in Swayze Field. So, you know, some state fans like to come. They, they don't always like to come when they – are not sure they're going to win. Uh, so I, I don't know. We'll see what uh, what the series looks like. Let's talk spring football a little bit. Uh, the Bulldogs, uh, uh, Super Bulldog weekend stuff was kind of a dud with uh, the rain and the lightning and, and all of that. Never sat through a rain delay for spring football that was ultimately moved inside and closed to everyone. But uh, wanted to talk to you a little bit about Mr. Springtime. Mr. Springtime uh, Antonio Harmon. Uh, we tried to pick uh, a guy who might be a little unknown to a lot of fans, but one who could surprise, maybe had a good spring, could surprise in August practice and maybe make an impact. And, and you went with Harmon. Tell us why. Yeah, I think, um, you know, the real Mr. Springtime was probably Will Rogers and the step he took, but that's too mainstream of, of the pick. We had to go somewhere um, you know, a little more low key and, and Antonio Harmon is that guy for me, just because, um, I mean, it, it, every practice, it, it seemed like he was making, um, you know, nice catches, you know, big catches on, as one of those outside receivers trying to help replace, uh, Makai Polk. And, you know, what, what's interesting is that there's so many times where, you know, we, we go to these practices and we watch these practices and someone stands out in practice, but it just really doesn't translate, um, into what they do in games. And that really hasn't been the case for Mike Leach at, at Mississippi State. I mean, last year, I mean, you remember Paris when I, when I first got here, is it, it seemed like we were writing about Makai Polk every day and, and how good he looked at practice. And he turned out to be the number one receiver on the team. Like the, the way Mike Leach works is that what you see is kind of what you get. And, and you can see what players are learning his system and progressing the system. And Antonio Harmon kind of seems to be that guy. I, I don't think he's going to be the number one um, outside receiver at either position. I think you're going to have Tulu and Ra-Ra kind of battling out for, for one side. And then Caleb Duckin is, is going to be the guy that they want to get going on the other side. I mean, he's big. He's a retro senior. This is kind of his uh, – I think Spurrier said that this is kind of his chance to, to make that step and, and prove that he's worthy. Um, but right behind him, Antonio Harmon's kind of pushing pushing for some snaps. And if Caleb Duckin is inconsistent, um, you know, Harmon's that next guy that, that could be in there and could really, um, you know, start to earn some snaps. So he, he's an interesting guy. Leach said that he was one of the more physical receivers and, and he was, he, you know, he wished that some of his other receivers were a little bit more physical like Harmon, um, you know, big body had a, had a touchdown in that first scrimmage. Obviously once they moved the the Super Bowl that weekend scrimmage indoors, we weren't allowed to go anymore, but um, I'm sure he did great in there. So uh, <laughs> based on, based on, you know, what have we seen at prices and stuff like that? So, um, and, and it's interesting for state um, just because they wanted the, quote unquote, you know, spring scrimmage is what they ended up calling it to be um, overlapped with baseball and how the baseball, I think they would have preferred that baseball be home this weekend and Super Bowl that weekend be this weekend. Um, but, but they couldn't do that. So they kind of had to do that, that spring game a little bit earlier. So state still has four more practices, uh, three this weekend and a final practice on the 27th. So, um, or was that this is the 26th. So it, it's pretty interesting um, that the schedule works out like that, but also gives them, you know, more time to have scrimmage film to look at um, and then continue practicing after that. So, um, but yeah, Antonio Harmon's a guy that stood out. Um, we'll, we'll see what happens, you know, with him 
going into fall camp, you know, things do tend to switch a little bit from spring to fall and, you know, how those off season summer workouts go for some people, but um, yeah, don't be surprised if, if Antonio Harmon's making some big catches for Mississippi state in the fall. So do you think uh, the receivers at Mississippi state, do you think uh, Polk's production is replaced by committee or do you think one guy emerges on the outside and you see Will Rogers kind of develop that chemistry and trust that he had with Makai Polk? Yeah, I, I think it's going to be committee. Um, and what's interesting is if there is going to be one guy that comes out and has, you know, hundred plus catches this year, I think it's going to be Ra Ra Thomas um, and or Tulu Griffin. But then, you know, right away when, when you're looking at it and you have that and or category, that probably means that there's, you know, those are two guys competing for snaps. So it, I just don't know if there's anyone who can play the amount of snaps that Makai played to have that number of catches. Um, so I, I think it's going to be more by committee. Um, but luckily for state, I think they have a pretty good committee. I know, you know, the, it, it's, it, you see it a lot in baseball, especially major league baseball, when you come down to like a fourth or fifth, you know, pitcher in the rotation, it's like, well, we're kind of play it by ear, play it by committee. I know teams have kind of switched over just having kind of bullpen games. And that's usually not a good strategy. That means you don't really have, another option. I think state has a decent committee um, that if they do do that, um, it, it's what Leach has done in the past. I mean, it's, it's been rare that Leach has a Makai Polk type player uh, in terms of production. He, he likes to, I mean, he talked about it before he had last year, he probably had seven or eight receivers. That he could rotate in there and he didn't feel like that was enough. Um, so he likes to have depth and especially in that outside spot. So I, I think it's going to be by committee, but if there were to be one guy, I think it would be Rob Thomas. Michael, do you think Mason Brooks makes a seamless transition at right tackle? That looks like a pretty good offensive line if he does. It does. I mean, on, on paper, it looks like a really strong group, especially when, you know, you're left tackle for the last couple of years just sliding over to guard. You got, you got to feel pretty good about that. Uh, everybody's got pretty good experience there. Uh, I will say, and I know that spring practice isn't necessarily an indicator of, of what's going to happen, uh, but – uh, you know, there's there's been some ups and downs for the offense as a whole. Uh, the defense, I would say, has kind of been ahead uh, at, at practices. And, uh, you know, D-line, they've, they've really upgraded that D-line. There's really good depth there. They got some some big-time players there that look like prototypical SEC defenders, uh, kind of that the, – the you know, the guys you want coming off the bus first. Uh, and so they've, they, the, the D line has, I, I would say has, has kind of had the edge on a few occasions, but, uh, you know, I, I think that that group, the offensive line group is going to be really good. Mason Brooks is a really, he's an interesting character. He's funny. He's, he's just seems like a guy that people gravitate towards. So I think he's going to be really good for that group. I think it's going to be interesting to see how Jeremy James transfers to the left side. I think that's going to be huge. Um, you know, I was. I was a little bit surprised that Brooks didn't wasn't you know slotted over there, but I can kind of understand the thinking there of Brooks as a guy who's played right tackle and you know might as well just kind of keep him in his spot. Uh, maybe move the guy like James, who you may be envision as a, a long term guy uh, over there. But you know you look at the interior, you look at the tackle spots. It, it looks it looks like it should be better than last year, and they finally got a little bit of depth there too. So. Uh, I, I, I think come fall, it's going to be a pretty good group. And I think Mason Brooks is going to be a really nice player for them. Well, who are your candidates for Mr. Springtime at Ole Miss? Ooh, um, I would say this is, this is, this is going to be, and it might be recency bias, but uh, Kendrick Breedlove, uh, the cornerback, uh, has looked really, really good. Uh, he, uh, last Saturday, 
uh, they were indoors and we could kind of see things a little bit better than we normally do. And he was making some really nice plays. He had a, a couple of nice pass breakups. He had a pick. Uh, he's a guy, again, that secondary is going to have a lot of bodies, especially with the transfers that have come in. But uh, I think he might be a guy that is, is getting a little bit more time at corner. He's looked really, really solid. Um, another guy, and it's it's always hard to say what a true freshman is going to do come September, but and especially in the running back room where there are a lot of bodies, obviously. Uh, Kinshawn Judkins has really, really been, a, an, I don't know if I'd say a surprise, but I just don't know if I was expecting him to kind of get the sort of play he was uh, with, you know, the first group offense. I mean, he's he's been in there. Uh, you know, obviously they've got Zach Evans and Ulysses Bentley and Control Bullock and those guys. But uh, and, and Lane has said it, uh, you know, Judkins is 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 making he's, he's making his presence felt. Uh, he does not look overwhelmed. And I think enrolling early, obviously, uh, you know, I don't think you enroll early unless you think you're probably going to have a shot at some time. Um, He's he I uh, is he going to be the guy who gets all the carries? No, you, you got Evans. And I think you bring Evans in to be your bell cow. But uh, I, I, I think there's there's going to be some carries for for a guy like Judkins. And, uh, you know, Lane likes the sort of three headed running back room um, and he's not afraid to give true freshman carries. Henry Parrish got a, a good amount of carries as a true freshman. And I, I could see Judkins maybe kind of doing something like that. Folks, that'll wrap us up for this edition of Justify Your Existence, talking all things Ole Miss and Mississippi State. For Michael Katz and Stefan Kreischnick, I am Parrish Alford. Thanks for being with us.